Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to QAV, Tony K. Uh, recorded uh, this day of our Trump, uh, 28th of September, 2020, Monday afternoon, 4.16pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm just wondering how long you can keep saying our year of the Trump. Forever, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I believe uh, that's the plan that he has. Uh, permanent... Dynasty, a right. I thought uh, I thought he'd sold the rights to Hollywood to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger coming in and forcibly removing him from the White House. <laughs> it's going gonna, gonna to be filmed by James Cameron. Uh huh. Who's who's <laughs> playing Trump in this uh, film? Uh, just, I don't know. Who's that? Just, uh, I just saw on um, Stan. There's a new movie out with uh, Dominic Gleeson. Is it Dominic Gleeson? Yeah, the Irish actor playing Trump. Yeah. yeah. Dom Dom Nall Dom Nall Gleeson. Oh, think Dom Nall. Thank you. Yes. I was just thinking, who was the guy who played Young Einstein back in the day? Uh, <laughs> Yahoo Serious. Yeah, what I wonder what Yahoo Serious <laughs> is doing. Uh, you know, I reckon. Yeah. You know, uh, judging by what he looked like thirty years ago, he'd probably make a Trump a good Trump. I don't know. Yeah, well, he had a haircut, slicked it back. Gordon yeah. Gecko style, yeah, Slips standing to the, in the... up to the side <laughs> and back, standing at standing in the background somewhere at uh, what's the name's confirmation nomination on the weekend. Amy Comey. Oh yeah, Yahoo Serious was there. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett, Amy Comey Barrett. Barrett, that's right, Barrett. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't think she's been confirmed yet. She's just been no, she's uh, been nominated. nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is supposed to go through smoothly, according to Trump. Shouldn't be any contentious issues at all. Well, it's just the Senate. The GOP runs the Senate, so yeah. Yeah. Unless yeah, yeah. some of the GOC, a GOP uh, revolt, which could happen, but even Mitt Romney said he's going to push it through. So, right. Anyway, people didn't come here to hear us talk about US politics. Tony, there'll be enough of that in uh, six weeks, I'm pretty sure. When we're all going, oh my God, what just happened? Regardless of what happened, we'll be saying that, I'm quite sure. 
It's a bit like the stock market, isn't it? Hard yeah. to predict. Well, we can talk about that. Before I do that, I want to remind everybody about the Stock Doctor deal on our website. If you're not currently a Stock Doctor subscriber, go over to qavpodcast.com.au slash Stock Doctor and save yourself a few hundred bucks in your first year as a Stock Doctor subscriber. You can spend that on Negronis. And when I was in Bundaberg last week, before I left, I went to the Kalki Moon Distillery, a little boutique distillery in Bundaberg, and I bought myself some Kalki Moon Gin which won the World Gin Awards a couple of years ago, apparently, and in London. And I uh, plan on going buying some, what is it, vermouth and Campari to make Correct, uh, yes. Negronis. Yeah. Excellent. Hmm. Unfortunately, so. I've drunk about half the bottle, uh, so I might need to get another bottle at some point. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, you were saying... <laughs> I had a I had a, a version of a Negroni last week which I really liked. It they put a white chocolate on top of the ice cube, Ooh. and served it as a, a dessert cocktail. It was lovely. Did you let it fall into the drink, or did you eat it and then drink? Uh, I just left it there. It kind of like the taste just infused itself into the drink. The oh, white so chocolate it was good. It was like kind of f- melted, frozen in onto the ice cube. Uh, no, I don't think so. I just sat there. Oh, okay, yeah, magic. Magic white mm. chocolate. Mm. Uh, uh, also, well, I have something else I wanted to talk to you about before we got into it, uh, before we got distracted by gin. Um, <laughs> Stock Doctor, <laughs> oh, you were talking about the uh, the ASX. Uh, it's kind of been up and down a bit uh, still of late, up a bit mm. today. Mm-hmm. But uh, all in all, it's been a bit of a rough week or two. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Hmm. Lots going on in the world, I guess. Hmm. Lockdowns again in Britain, breakouts in the US still, uh, Brazil. Actually, Brazil really helps us because uh, with all the COVID going on there, they can't get their act together to mine their iron ore, so that's keeping the, the share market price for Fortescue up, so that's great. Uh, hard, hard to cheer on. The Brazilian government, but um, in this narrow specific case, yippee. <laughs> I did want to uh, congratulate you on the interview you did with Phil Muscatello on the Australian Shareholder Association's podcast, and thank you to Stephen Mab for helping set that up or suggesting it or whatever he did, pulling strings behind the scenes, the number one guy at the Australian Shareholder Association now, Mr. Mab. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, Phil was great. Um, I enjoy my time with Phil, and uh, and thanks to Steve. Yeah, he he pushed some buttons and and got us together. Welcome to uh, anyone who's listening for the first time. Come over from listening to that. Thought you did a good job. You're getting better at doing those. You uh, you're smooth, smooth like white chocolate <laughs> on an agroni. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoyed it. Phil's a good interviewer. He is good. Um, Now, listen, uh, I wanted to ask you a question about franking credits on dividends. Mm -hmm. Some dividends have come through on my portfolio, uh, and I'm not sure what what number I should be listing in my little uh, spreadsheet here. Am I listing the franked uh, or the franked plus the franking credit? What's a franking credit, and uh, how do I get to spend it? 
Franking credit is a tax credit and it re reflects the amount of tax the company's paid before paying a dividend. So the company tax rate is 30% um, and that's paid on their profits and then and then a dividend is, is paid to shareholders after that. So that dividend, as far as the government's concerned, has already had 30% of its tax paid. And so you get a credit for that 30%. So the franking credit um, equals that tax that's been paid by the company on its profits before issuing a dividend. And of course, uh, you know, the tax rate of the company may not be 30% for all sorts of reasons, whether they've got you know, carried forward losses or overseas income, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you get a credit. And when you put in your tax return, you should declare the dividend amount as income and you get a, a credit for the tax on that uh, that income equal to the franking credit. So for example, if uh, you're like me and you, you pay tax at the top marginal rate, um, just 48, I think, 48% plus Medicare. Let's be clear. I'm nothing like you, Tony. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're like, if you're like me, then um, the franking credit uh, effectively means I only pay 18% plus the Medicare levy. So what do um, I show? What do income. I show in the transaction tab in my spreadsheet? Is my question. Do I show the, the do I show the franking credit in there? Do I add it to the dividend, or do I just show the dividend less the tax? I think we should show both because that reflects um, what it's worth. That's income to us. Right. So yeah. So show both as being income. Right. Um, now just a couple of things. The that franking credit is only income to us at tax time. So you know. May, it may not come into our bank accounts until our tax returns due in 12 months' time. But yeah, in terms of my performance, I will put the franking credit into the um, the performance. Okay, thank you. Yeah, good to know. And, and it's an it's an important point. We haven't talked about it, I don't think, before. But it it means different things to different people depending on their situations. So if someone uh, is investing in a self managed super fund, they're only probably paying 15% tax anyway, because that's the rate for a, a super fund, which, which isn't in the uh, uh, the retirement section where you pay no tax. But um, you know, if you're still investing in your super fund and you haven't reached retirement age yet, you pay 15% tax, but the company's already paid 30% tax on that, franking, on that uh, dividend. And so you actually get a, um, a, re a tax return rebate from the government for that difference. So, uh, which is fifteen percent. So you get the dividend plus another fifteen percent from the government. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. And so it depends on your uh, on your um, your the amount of tax you're paying and what your rate is. But if it's less than thirty percent, you actually get cash back for it. And if it's more than thirty percent, you get a rebate on the, any tax paid or owed to the to the tax office. Sweet. Great deals, great deal, I think, and, and quite logical. And of course, a big campaign during the last federal election where the government didn't didn't want to keep paying those cash rebates. They just wanted to have the um, the rebate continue on the franking credit. If you were paying enough tax, you were getting a rebate, but not cash. Mm. Mm. And uh, and that was Labor's policy, and they lost. Mm. Mm. Well, because okay. we are we are a nation of shareholders. Yes. Uh, moving right along, you sent me an email during the week saying you're going to drop share analysis from the checklist. Yes, well, I haven't been able to get the website up and running. I think it might have gone kaput. 
so I haven't been able to use it. So I, I think it's probably time to, to take out that section of the checklist. We'll just use Stock Doctor from now on. A bit of a shame because I think Share Analysis did add some things to us, uh, particularly around their IV calculation as being a different point of view to Stock Doctors and also their forecasted IV. So we could see whether uh, their, their IV was trending up or down or not as an input to our checklist. But uh, I haven't found a replacement for that yet. I know our, our mate down in Sydney, Andrew, suggested Marcus Padley's newsletter as a replacement, but you said it didn't have an IV or some uh, calculation in there, right? Correct. Yeah, I couldn't see an IV calculation nor a forecast IV calculation yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it was certainly a good spreadsheet in terms of the, uh, the figures. So if we had to replace Stock Doctor in terms of getting access to PEs and EPSs and all that kind of stuff and and balance sheet information, it was a good one, but mm. um, didn't replace share analysis, unfortunately. So um, the the risk of removing share analysis and not being able to replace it is we've just got one less uh, data point to use in our heat map. I think there's a few few less. We, we use the share analysis financial health rating, the A1, A2, B1, B2, so that's gone which means we're relying on Stock Doctor's financial health rating, which is which is fine. It's 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 a good one. Uh, and we lose the IV calculation from share analysis and we lose the trend of the future IV calculate forecast from uh, share analysis. Mm. Yeah, so we're losing a few things. Mm, a few data points. Yeah. Okay. Does that, does that worry you? No, not really. Um, I think the rest of it's still pretty robust as it is. So... Right. Yeah. I mean, the way the checklist was put together was as as I used these tools, I would try and hone in on what was the, I call them the heavy, listed, heavy lifters, the KPIs that matter, uh, that do most of the work, even though, you know, share analysis had tons of KPIs that you could look at. To me, they were the important ones. Um, so we've lost those, which, I'm, which is unfortunate, but uh, we still have plenty of other ones in Stock Doctor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, another thing you wanted to talk about was uh, repetitive strain injury. Apparently, that's a big thing. Yes, Mr. RSI. Mad brought up with you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, Steve and I had a quick phone call during the week about uh, our discussion you and I had on the last show about uh, overbought and oversold, and it was one of the concepts we picked up during our discussion with Kien from Stock Doctor. And Steve pointed out that in Stock Doctor, if you go into the charting tool, you can call up uh, a, what they call a study. And one of them is RSI, Relative Strength Index. And it, it basically tells you the, the transactions that have occurred recently over the long-term transactions. So you get a sense for whether there's been unusual amounts of buying and selling. And they put a little uh, tab up on the bottom of the share graph, which you can see is color coded. And if you get eighty percent above, excuse me, above eighty percent in the of uh, the RSI score, that means something is being overbought. And if you get something below twenty percent, it's being oversold. And Steve uh, told me he had some success in the past using that to time his buying into some companies. Uh, I haven't done a whole heap of research yet, but it, it does make sense to me. So I'm going to trial it going forward as I buy and sell things to make sure they're not in overboard or oversold territory. 
I'm completely lost with this. Can you explain to me what overbought and oversold means, really? Yeah, so the the thing that resonated for me, and this is something that Steve spoke about, was say, for example, some news comes out on the stock and it's, it makes the front page of the Fin Review, for example. It's not unusual to see that stock jump 10% or more um, on that day. And if therefore, if you looked at the transaction graph long-term versus the transaction graph on that day, you could form an opinion that there's been a lot of trading on that day well above the average over time, and it might be coming into overbought territory. And so what I often see in those cases is that something might jump 10% on day one, but then it retreats down, it might finish up 5% or 7% up. So there's some selling straight away as well. And that's often because you know people will take a profit because it's just jumped 10%. Um, or it could be that uh, if people see it jump and they don't buy in after that, so the, the share price starts to retreat again uh, because they thought it was um, there was too much buying in the stock because of the news. And, and I see that all the time, that both on good news and bad news, lots of activity happens, and then there's a bit of a rebound one way or the other as the market settles down and, and I guess digests the news and doesn't act so quickly because oftentimes in those cases it's a... It's shoot first, ask questions later. It's just a basic blunt instrument. It's like, oh, good news on BHP, let's all buy BHP. But then it might take a couple of days for people to run the numbers on that news and decide that it, it is good or bad. Uh, and Macquarie Bank, we spoke about last week, was Macquarie Group, sorry, was prop, well, I didn't haven't checked the RSI, but that could be that kind of situation where where news came out saying that they expected the half uh, the second half this year to be 35 percent below i think last year uh so there would have been a lot of activity and we saw that the share price came off uh, but then it's it's sort of slowly going back up again so uh, this this is a phenomenon in the market and i think what the rsi is trying to do is to is to quantify that for us hmm. okay anyway steve steve said it's worth looking at he's had some success in the past when he buys things to see if it's not in overbought territory, and when he sells things, it's not in oversold territory. Uh, if it is, you just wait a bit, and it, it should come back towards its um, average transactions. Uh, sort of won't go back to the average transaction, but it'll trend back the re- the old reversion to the mean that we talk about, um, back below eighty percent in the overbought situation, and then it might be time to buy in then. All right, thank you for explaining that. Uh, got anything else you want to get into before we get into this week's questions? No, I'm all good. Okay, so uh, Dale last week uh, sent us a question about uh, top 20 and some were falling and I think we misconstrued his question, so he sent me a clarification email. He said, uh, thanks for raising my question on the recent podcast. What I didn't clarify completely is out of the top 20 stocks on my buy list, 14 are falling. What I mean by falling is they have had a recent downturn, but their overall sentiment over the five-year chart is positive. Interestingly, the 14 stocks in my 20 of a buy list consisting of 54 stocks, with the exception of a few, all appear on Tony's buy list in the green section from his download on the 7th of September. Below as a comparison, of course, I'm quite sure how to 
uh, read that comparison, but um, it goes on saying, uh, as you can see, the majority of the stocks in my list are also in Tony's, which he has marked with sentiment confirmed as yes and are colored green. I guess what my question is, despite positive overall sentiment with a particular stock, if a very recent downturn has occurred, is this enough to sway Tony to hold off buying, even if the stock scores brilliantly and wait for an uptick to occur? So uh, perhaps if we just use an example like Credit Corp, is that what he's saying? Maybe that uh, Credit Corp's scored well, but it's currently trending down a little bit, but it hasn't reached its three-point sell line. Okay, well, let's bring up Credit Corp and have a looky, a looky-loo. I need to be able to see these things. Yeah, I guess that's what he's alluding to. So for our listeners, Credit Corp is a buy. And uh, I bought into it a little while ago and dusted some dough on it, which is not I'm not happy about, but that's the way it goes. Uh, so if you're coming in now and looking at it, yeah, I think I'd probably, I'd probably just hang fire. It's up 4% today, so it could be a good day to buy, but... If you look at the graph on a monthly basis, the last couple of months have been sort of two steps up, one step back, two steps up, one step back. So uh, I, today might be a good time to buy. I, I tend to, if I see that one step back, I won't buy. I'll, I'll hang off for a bit just to see if it's going to keep going down a little while first, and then I'll look for a, a sign of it coming back. So um, today it's up 4%, so that could be a good a good time to buy. But um, you don't have to hurry with these things. Um, you could wait till the end of the month and see where the trend goes next month and then buy if it's going up. So so overall, what I'm trying to say is overall, it's a, still a buy. It hasn't reached its three-point sell uh, price yet. Really? But in the last... I yeah. think it is. I think it's a Schrodinger, man. No, it's not. Why no. do you think that? No. Have a look. Oh, hold on. My five years, my hold on. My chart might not be fully. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's I think it's a sell around fourteen twenty ish. I don't have a big and enough ruler. Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I need a big. I'm stretching, trying to stretch my ruler. Oh, you know what it's like when you try and stretch something. Uh, it's no. It's uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. So it's a it's a buy. It's a above its buy price. It's it's nowhere near. Well, I say it's nowhere near. It's above its sell price. Yeah. But it has trended down a little bit in the last month or so. So yeah, I mean you can hang off and wait until you see a bit of an uptick, uh, and then buy. Or you can right. dollar cost average or average into it. So uh, yeah, I'm not a seller at this price. Um, and if you've if you've waited a while before you bought it, then you bought it cheaper than I have. So good luck to you. And me, I bought it too. Nineteen dollars twenty-four. It's down like seventeen eleven <laughs> or something now. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you should I think you should declare your transactions as well, so that we can, <laughs> um, hey, we can hey, don't we s- can put face masks on and avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> Social distancing from camera stock picks. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, you're as bad as trades. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, pretty much everything I've got's down a ton. Uh, for the record, I'm currently sitting on the reject shop still a little bit, which is good. Eclipses up, but then Mastermind mm-hmm. Grange, Image Resources, Credit Corp, and King Rose Mining <laughs> are all uh, have all gone backwards since I bought them uh, back. Uh, well, beginning of this month. 
Anywho, not worried. It's all good, Tony. It's all good. Yeah, no, I agree. Reversion to the mean, Tony. That's what I tell myself. Reversion to the mean. Yep, exactly. Doesn't doesn't mean that you can start being mean about my stock choices like Eddie does. Like, you know, that's not, I don't think that's what reversion to the mean is. Don't be, it's not about being mean to Cameron. (laughs) Don't be mean. I've been nice for a while now. It's time to revert. (laughs) Reversion to the nice. That's what we want here. Thank you, Dale. I hope that, I hope that helps. So the summary is if it's positive sentiment, you can, but it's uh, sliding a little bit, you, you can wait, you can buy. I mean, either way is good. Yes, yeah, dollar cost average as well, or or wait for those that time and it will trend back up again before you buy. It's just so you can confirm it's uh, it's not going down. Right, you're not trying to catch a falling mm. knife. Correct. And are you looking at dailies or a monthly in that instance prices? I'm still looking at I'm still looking at monthly, but obviously the daily will have an influence. Like I said, Credit Corp's up four percent today. So if if Dale wanted to buy Credit Corp, it's not a bad day to buy because it's it looks like at least on a daily basis it's broken the trend of going down a bit but um, like I said he might want to wait till the end of the month and see what the trend does next month and then if it's up buy into it then obviously not to be taken as financial advice Dale or anyone else correct yes. Tony's Sorry, just saying say this is saying, what I do there there are yeah this is what you would be thinking in this scenario correct yes <laughs> correct mundo <laughs> Correct, right. Thank you, Dale. Uh, Brett has the next question on the list. Have you discussed on the podcast the different types of platforms for buying shares? I remember you just—I remember you discussing the service type that Tony uses. Talking about online brokers here, the service mm-hmm. type that Tony uses uh, versus the online type. We were talking about Superhero in this email. One of the uh, newer platforms that are cheap uh, and I think you pointed out somewhere along the way that they might be cheap because like Robin Hood in the US they might be selling our data but Superhero is different again he says I've just been reading the T and C's you don't hold the securities yourself they hold them on behalf of you bundled with other customers they also hold your cash I wonder how risky this is if they go belly up for some reason. Also, you're not on the company's register for the AGM, etc., which may not be an issue for some. Um, got any thoughts on that, Tony? I do have some thoughts on that. And I want to, again, stress it's not personal advice and I don't use Superhero and don't know much about it at all. So they may have solved some of the risks that uh, Brett is talking about. But let me just pose the question. If, if I said to you, uh, uh, give me your money, give me, um, I'm going to go and buy some stocks on the market for you and I'm going to hold on to them, what, what would you say? I'd say, absolutely, Tony, here's all my money because I trust you. You're a good bloke. <laughs> Trusted you this far. What are you saying? I shouldn't trust you? Is that this is what you're telling me? <laughs> no, you should. You should. You can trust me, but but uh, I'll do it through a company, and I may sell the company to somebody yeah. else. Well, hold on. What does that even mean? They hold them on behalf of you. They hold what? I mean, it's uh, shares. But but what are they holding? It's all digital, right? I mean, I get certificates whenever I buy stuff. I've got some envelopes here that I haven't opened yet, but I assume some of them is about my ownership. If I get a piece mm-hmm. of paper that says I own them, isn't that enough? You, I, well, I don't send out certificates these days. You'll get a chest depository notice, which will give you your HIN, your your number. 
yeah. identification number on the register, and it'll tell you like that they're they're telling they're telling you you've got this many shares okay. in the company. Well, then don't yeah. I own the shares then? You do, but that's different to what this appears to be, where that notice would go to Superhero. I'm guessing, and they'll get a notice saying that uh, Superhero owns this many shares in Credit Corp or whoever, and then it's up to Superhero to go back to the uh, the the end customer and say we're holding this many shares on your behalf. Ah. That's so how I think it works. I'm, I'm not familiar with Superhero, but the way it's described no, yeah. by Brett, yeah, it's mm. full of risk. I might have to get someone from Superhero to come on and explain it to us. You can grill Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they've thought about it. The other yeah. question I had based on that scenario was what happens with tax? And if, if Brett or anybody else was using Superhero, if they're not holding the shares, uh, I guess they're getting dividends, but are they being paid to Superhero or to the end customer? And what's the tax situation on all that too? Mm. Like for example, the superhero paid a tax, but then deduct it from deduct that payment from your account. Right. I don't know how that works. And franking credits, how does that work? Um, it does open up a whole lot of questions about how the mechanics of investing works. But yeah, I think Brett's spot on. If if someone else is holding the asset, whether it's shares or a house or a racehorse or whatever, you've got to make sure you've got control over that asset and are registered as the legal owner of that asset. Right. Okay, all right. A little bit scary. Uh, I well, did it buy may some... not be. I mean, like I said, I don't know about superheroes, so it'd be good to have someone to come in and, and, and talk to us. Yeah. All right, well. And, and also, too, how, I'd love to know how they make their money. Because as we said, Robin Hood in the US is making a lot of its money from not charging customers brokerage, but selling the data to front-running traders who are trying to use the information to uh, improve their trading. Right. I'm not well, saying that happens with superhero, by the way, but I'd like to know how it's done. Well, they're financially backed by Afterpay's Nick Molnar and Zipco's Larry Diamond, uh, Tony. So I think that's how they make their money. They're just making money off of Afterpay's <laughs> yeah. uh, Zips. They're continually uh, raising, raising new capital, aren't they? Yeah. Like Afterpay. Hey, did you yeah. see in the paper that um, the Afterpay CFO resigned last week? I did not. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Did they say Why? Uh, well, he wants to go off and set up his own tech company. Right. Um, there's all sorts of speculation about why he's leaving, including you know friction between him and the owners. Uh, but uh, the, the sort of the sort of one that that struck me as being the, probably the truthful one is the guy's made sixty million bucks out of his options in three years, he's, huh. which is basically fuck you money. He's gone fuck you. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to go play golf and drink Negronis. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know if it's necessarily a red flag, but usually when a CFO leaves a company, it's not a green flag. It's um, There's usually some something going on behind it. Hmm. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Well, here's uh, something from the Financial Review on Superhero. Uh, Superhero's model of charging $5 per trade but wearing costs as a percentage of volume means its optimum business model is high volume, low value. In effect, it generates the best gross profit margins the more retail clients trade small amounts with a minimum trade size of just $100. So if someone came on and traded $200,000 worth of stock, we're going to lose money, said Mr. Winters. If someone traded $10,000 worth of stock, the volume works out. So our model works well at scale, and that's how we're able to pass on such a low fee. The $9 a month subscription 
also encourages a minimum of two trades per month, however small in value. Oh, I didn't know you were paying a monthly subscription fee whether or not you trade. That's interesting. The downside so to this... a month, sorry. No, you're $9 right. a what? month plus $5 per transaction, is it? Uh, I think it might be, uh, by the way this reads, it might be if you don't trade, a minimum of $9 a month because oh, okay. it said it encourages right. a minimum of two trades per month. Gotcha. So okay, that would yeah. be your $10. The downside to the single HIN model is pooled investors do not have legal title to the shares, only beneficial title under the agreement with the broker. According to the ASX, investors who do not have a HIN in their name are not afforded protections under the ASX-administered National Guarantee Fund in the event of a bankruptcy or for losses incurred trading on the ASX as a result of another authorised corporate action, for example. The NGF, the National Guarantee Fund, was employed to compensate investors for losses after broker BBY failed. So there you go. There's that. So, so what we're saying, what they're saying is that if if you and I could raise the cash, we could go and buy Superhero and and say to all the people who have beneficial ownership, fuck you, come and sue us. And uh, just liquidate their positions and head off to the Caribbean. And the ASX would go, sorry guys, can't can't compensate you for it. Are we are we really and talking about this? Is this a is this a plan? Is this what we're doing <laughs> next week? I mean, should we should we ha- should we put this call on hold and talk about this? Because it's I don't know, we could be good. superheroes. We could be Robin Hood superheroes. <laughs> Go and join the Afterpay CFO snorting coke and no, I shouldn't suggest he's doing that. No, I'm not, he's not. He's probably not doing that. I I, uh, I retract that uh, allegation. Uh, living it up, yeah. let's say, with his sixty. Million living it dollars. up, that's right. Yes, I think. Well, yes. he's talking about setting up another company, so who knows what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Is it snorting yeah, hookers? Certainly- snorting cocaine off a of hookers tits Is that what it is? No. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He's that's certainly paying top marginal tax from now on, though. Right, yes. <laughs> well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also uh, we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3 and 5, 301, 303 and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1, as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. 
Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>